So here in the Northwest, we have fires. We have fires on the West Coast. California is on fire. Oregon's on fire. Washington's on fire. There are fires about uh, 30 to 35 miles or closer uh, east of us. Uh, the winds whipped them up a week ago and really spread them like crazy. My mother had to evacuate her home in uh, Gates. Lots of her neighbors' homes didn't make it. Hers did, from what she told me. Uh, but I know of at least a couple of people up there that I know uh, who lost their homes. Just one day they're there and the next, you know, they're gone. So that's yeah, pretty crazy. Um, and the air quality index here in Salem is like over 500. It's insane. It's like we have the worst air in the world in Oregon. <laughs> and I'm sure California is similar, parts of Washington similar. It's just kind of crazy. Hey, this is Tim Patterson. It's Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. And yes, the... Uh, the year that is, 2020, continues, and uh, you can find us online at tradeshowguide.net. Got a lot of other websites, which I've listed from time to time on this show, but that's the one place you can find everything that we do, from the exhibits to the books I've written to a couple of freebies to uh, webinars, and also I post the, uh, the, ver- the video version of this uh, vlog as well as audio version of the podcast all there every week, tradeshowguy.net. So, um... Yeah, that that's the way it kind of is the, with the the fire and everything, and and I hopefully uh, we get some. We're supposed to get some rain in the next couple of days. Uh, we'll see if that helps. Uh, it's been cooler, uh, so we'll just see. Um, meanwhile, moving along, uh, I got a chance to catch up with a guy that I met. Oh, gosh, fifteen years or more, uh, CEO of G Diapers, uh, Jason Graham Nye, who is a Client, a long time back, uh, early company that I got into the industry and interpretive exhibits. We uh, actually cold called them, one of their people, and we ended up uh, selling them an exhibit, a second exhibit we did a few years later. Uh, And they would do a lot of Expo West shows, natural products, Expo West. And at one point they got out because they just determined for whatever reason they weren't getting back what they needed from the show. Their their cycle of their product, which was uh, uh, flushable diapers, disposable, all that stuff, uh, earth-friendly had moved on and they and they had a lot of what they needed out of the show but I, I hadn't really talked to him about it i know he moved to australia five years ago because uh, he'd moved up from australia planted the company headquarters in portland and then they moved out and we hadn't really talked a whole lot we hadn't done any business with them and i thought you know what we're facebook friends let me just send him a quick note we got connected i said hey you want to join me and he said sure so we had a, a great conversation learned a lot about what they have been going through and yes the COVID-19 pandemic has really affected their business in interesting ways, and they've had to shift and pivot like a lot of other people and do some things they weren't expecting to do. But uh, upbeat guy, great guy. This is how that conversation went. I think you'll enjoy it. I want to welcome Jason Graham Nye, CEO of G Diapers, a former client of ours here at Trade Show Guy Exhibits, uh, to Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Jason, really good to see you. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks. How are you going? Uh, it's been an interesting year. Uh, you know, as they say, the old expression, may you live in interesting times. <laughs> I think that was meant to be a bit of an insult, but, uh, or a curse. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. anyway, just kind of we'll explore a little bit. I know that, uh, we met, gosh, I'm, I'm going to say 15 years ago, uh, G diapers was, uh, headquartered in the U S in, in Portland. And I met one of your folks actually it was kind of a cold call it's rare to sell an exhibit on a cold call but i I don't remember how it worked but we ended up doing some business did an exhibit or two you did a lot of trade show marketing uh so let's start with g diapers and and how are you guys doing right now yeah if we take a quick step back in time we we're from sydney australia and we uh, had a son 18 years ago yesterday and when that happened 
we read a statistic that there was one cup of oil in a disposable diaper and that uh, diapers took 500 years to biodegrade. And we thought that was crazy. Um, yeah. And we found some interesting IP for a plastic-free diaper alternative. So we moved to Portland, Oregon. We raised capital and we launched a business, G-Diapers. And we knew that, um, you know, consumer-facing business, we had to get in front of customers and in front of retailers to sell to customers. And it's been a remarkable 15 years from where retailers gone. So when we moved to America, there was a thing called Whole Foods and there was a thing called Wild Oats. And we thought we've got to get in there. And how do we do that? And so we've got to get in front of buyers. We've got to get in front of UNFI, the distributor. So that whole ecosystem, which was new to us, right? We're foreigners in America. How are we going to do that? So trade shows were a very big part of the equation for us. Um, and so we met you and you built a couple of amazing booths for us, which were incredible and it was funny because we don't come from the industry so i just remember very clearly those trade shows small ones big ones um all the trade-offs of how big's that booth all the i remember rocking up to expo west one year and our neighbor their booth hadn't arrived so i think we managed to help them build something from nothing like it was crazy but um and that was really the heyday when retail you know physical retail was a massive, massive thing. And in those 15 years, you know, in our category in babies, you know, babies are us, which was an absolute destination. Uh, 95% of mums and dads would have their registers, their, register, their birth registry there for their right. gifts. Uh, and so they're, they're bankrupt now. Right. Um, you know, Amazon has come into the category and rearranged the whole thing. And we knew it was getting disrupted when the buyer of Walmart called us and said, listen, what are we going to do about this thing called Amazon? And I thought, mate, <laughs> if you don't know, we are so screwed. Yeah, right. So, you know, over time, we pulled back on trade shows as the business went more online. And maybe that was a mistake. I'm not sure. But in our category, subscription is massive. You're a parent for three years. Um, sorry, you're a parent of a diaper wearing child for three years and getting that product every week. Uh, on subscription is a pretty big and convenient innovation that Amazon and everyone else does. Um, so just the way we were getting to consumers changed fundamentally, which is why, which is when, you know, the trade show part of it um, fell away a little bit. I think it was quite expensive, relatively speaking. Yeah. But what was really good, and I'll fast forward to where we are now. We, we've got a pandemic. We've got a product that shares the same raw materials as face masks. So we have a significant break in um, our supply chain. So wow. we won't be able to get product into the US for about six or eight months. So we had to make this heartbreaking decision um, to close our US business as of August 31. So very recently, and, you know, we have team members who've been with us for 10, 12 years. Right. Um, so that was brutal. But our last all team meeting last Friday, we went through what are the great memories and the trade shows were one of the big memories. <laughs> I was looking at it. it was just such a vibe. It was so much fun. So yeah. I feel like the trade show, obviously the main goal is to get in front of retailers and consumers. But the other massive thing was the culture building thing. Like it was just like, it was so much fun. It was so tiring, but so much fun um, getting in front of retailers like that. And then the nights and having dinners and drinks with retail people and, you know, a big customer comes along and it's like, oh my God, they want to stock our product. This is great. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it was a real good vibe. Yeah, trade shows are, are, are a great vibe, and, and but they're like this crazy marathon sprint that lasts about three or four days, uh, yeah. as well as all the prep that goes up to it, and then the post, you know, the follow up and all that stuff. But it, it is a, a nutty way. But you know, the, the advantage, of course, is that you meet a lot of people in a short amount of time, and if you meet the right people, boy, it can do wonders. 
yeah. for your business and it can get you into stores, get you into retailers. Um, but you say it's, it's changed so much now. You're, you're doing a lot of online subscription stuff. So that, that's, uh, that doesn't surprise me, you know, because it's, it's a product you need regularly for a short amount of time. And I think, Relative. you know, we are so focused on plastic free. We're so focused on being a genuine differentiator from our competitors who have plastic. And so we've really moved into, um, it's kind of a, it's a direct to consumer model. Um, and where we're getting traction in Europe is this full service. So we sell product to parents, we collect the product, we compost the product and we sell the compost. But that's oh, really? a very really? different sales cycle. And it's taken time. You've got to deal with some waste regulations. But, you know, the mayor of Paris, she's committed to this. She's given an exemption to the waste codes that we need to do this trial. We've identified a, um, a distributed composting partner. So they're composting all around Paris. And, you know, the EU's got a new waste directive that's all around the circular economy and all around how do you turn waste into a resource. And so that makes for a very different business model. You know, we're almost... Yeah. You know, the 32 boroughs of London spend 15 million pounds a year just on plastic nappy, plastic diaper waste. So we have boroughs working with us. So that's interesting. So it'll be like Multnomah County being our partner and Multnomah County going to the, their residents and saying, hey, residents who use diapers, um, use this product and we'll deliver it to you and collect it and compost it um, and sell the compost. So we're dislocating away from retail quite significantly because honestly, Tim, it's just been, whether it was Walmart and the physical retail or Amazon, I mean, dealing with them as customers are just brutal. I mean, we had an experience where Amazon owed us $100,000 for about two years. Oh, God. And the way they're structured is there's no human being on the other side, none. And it was only because the guy that did our G logo happened to be an Aussie who was quite senior at Amazon that we finally got a, a human being to talk to. And they said, yeah, yeah, we do, we, we do owe you 100000 sorry. <laughs> Um, and the funniest end of that story was they, they said, we'll wire you the money. That didn't work. Then we said, we'd send you a check. And I thought, you're Amazon. Then they said, here's our credit card number. Take it from that. So we did. And then they wired us. So for about three weeks, we had twice as much money. Oh my God. And so the shoe was on the other foot. It was just this glorious three weeks where we're getting an email every day saying, please pay us back. And I'm like, oh, really? Oh, How's really? Yeah, that's right. We'll get to it. It's on our list. <laughs> very busy i'm so busy <laughs> we'll figure it out soon yeah so we've found through in environmental consumer products it's very very hard to cut through you need huge amounts of capital and unfortunately the level of greenwashing is such that um you've got a very confused customer base right. and that's been very frustrating so we're sort of looking at you know in a world of pandemics um we've got a new product line a new product as a service which we think means we can guarantee that you know we want that waste back because we can turn it into a resource um that's super important to us but it means like, like how who is our customer like the whole thing's kind of being different you know is that the g cycle that i that i saw yeah. mentioned the g cycle so you're actually from from bottom <laughs> to end uh you're kind of taking over that whole chain however whatever you want to describe that as and you have to work with all these local and regional and, and country municipalities to, to make all this happen. Uh, that's nutty. That's, that's really nutty. I bet you never anticipated you were getting into something like that. No, but I just think having been in the business 15 years and watching how the bigger players kind of dance around regulations and, you know, are, um, are a bit loose with the truth around product claims. Um, 
we just want to be that brand that really does what it says it's going to do. And, you know, we have pilots running here in Australia where it's, it's a multi stakeholder thing. So we sell the diaper, Violia, the waste management company collects the diaper, the city of Hobart does the composting and they sell the compost for $75 a cubic meter. So they capture that revenue, but it's an epic story. Like God, if we could do that around the world. So the focus is Paris and London at the moment, the EU is very much going in that direction, but the other part local to us is so we're, we're in the Pacific obviously. And in the South Pacific, we have islands like Fiji and Vanuatu and they're 50, hundred years away from going um, of submerging and they'll have the first environmental refugees in the world. So the island of Tuvalu, um, they create a million nappies, a million diapers a year through 200, they have 250 families, the whole country, and they, they go through about a million diapers a year. Wow. We're working on putting G-Cycle in there um, as a way to just demonstrate what's possible. Vanuatu, so these islands are sort of like our Hawaii's, right? This is where we go for holidays. And obviously the <laughs> pandemic's de- devastated them. Um, but they're also, they're really, they're rich indigenous communities. And this plastic diaper waste is just crushing them. So Vanuatu has banned disposable diapers as of December. Mm. Like they're done. Because every time you're a tourist and you're on the reef diving and you see a disposable diaper floating by, that's one more reason to never come back to that island. And so it's one more tourist who's got a bad story to tell. Yeah. yeah. So we've got a developing country strategy with those islands and a developed country strategy with sort of France and England at the moment. But that's sort of where we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that just covers so many bases. And, and, and I was curious to talk to you about the business, obviously, and there's things you're doing that I hadn't even anticipated that you were you're doing. And probably, you know, 10 years ago, you weren't really anticipating all of that either. Uh, so are there, uh, you say you're, you're not in the US at this point in time, do you just because of the pandemic that just kind of closed things down? And that supply yeah. chain, as you mentioned, so how do you anticipate like the next three to six months to a year unfolding with with the US as well as the other countries? So what we've found over the years is the product is one thing, but the other thing that we that sort of was built was the community. So we have about 200,000 mums and dads on a Facebook page. And we thought in this downtime, we just make sure we keep that, that community engaged and, um, and close because parenting is a very um, isolating thing, particularly in those younger years. And especially we, we found in the US, we felt like um, you typically might move from your hometown to maybe college or a job and you just spread out, which is funny when we lived there, like we watched Thanksgiving and it's like, Oh my God, the entire country jumps on planes and flies to wherever they're <laughs> right. from. Like Jesus, which, you know, we're, our country's as big as America, but our population is 25 million. Like right. we don't travel that much. Less than 10%, but, um, right. Yeah. So um, uh, where was I going with that story? Oh, so the community is so important. So we, I, we've started a couple of, we're doing Facebook live every day um, and really trying to, we like this notion of it takes a village to raise a parent. The, the normal phrase is it takes a village to raise a child, but we think it takes a village to raise a parent. And it's an experience that is at once um, universal and also very personal. So that's quite a paradox and it can be quite discombobulating. And so we're doing more interaction with our community. You know, we're a diaper company with no diapers, but we're still a community. And I've just started a thing called Dad's Giving Birth because I had this very funny conversation with a couple of mates a few weeks ago about how we don't ever talk about what that was like, that moment that your partner 
gave birth and just the logistics of it, but also the more philosophical, like, oh my God, your partner just created right. life. Jesus. Right. And, and now and our, I've got, I've know, got a new responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. And in our culture, like I think the main game is the woman giving birth, which is great, but <clears throat> it's just, it, there's just funny five, 10 minute conversations with fathers talking about. So how was it for you? What was that transition like from manhood to dadhood, you know, and that's a, it's a transition that you, you can't go back from and um, some parts of you fall away and then other parts emerge. So as a diaper company, yeah, it gets a bit philosophical, but it's, it's, it's interesting and we think it's, it's a good way of keeping the community together. And I think dads in the conversation are, are really important because they're often not part of the conversation at all. Yeah. You know, I'm so, yeah. a dad. I've got kids, as we mentioned in the green room, about 20 and, and 28 now. And I remember those days of when they were one, two, three and learning to crawl and, and bump into walls and, and do all that. You never forget that. And I remember hearing at that time, you never know how much your parents lovely, love you until you become a parent yourself. And I think that's very true. And, and there's so much involved in that. You're right, we can get philosoph uh, philosophical on, on that, but uh, it's great to have that conversation and to, to know that you're, you're building communities, even though you've got no uh, products right now. So do you anticipate, I mean, how is Australia doing with the pandemic? Are they handling it well? I don't see much news about it. Um, Obviously, the yeah, US I mean, nutty. we're lucky because we're an island. Um, we have a government that um, we're quite socialist. So we've been able to financially redeploy dollars into JobKeeper and JobSeeker, which is the programs like the payroll protection program you have. So that's salvaged a lot of people. There's still massive economic questions about how do we open um, safely because we're in Ireland, things like international travel is kind of important. And, you know, Qantas is our major carrier. And they're saying they're not putting a plane in the sky for another two years. Tourism is important to us. That's devastated. But bigger, so the, our three biggest industries are mining, uh, inbound education and tourism. So inbound education, meaning we get a lot of foreign students coming into Australia to our universities and they pay top dollar to study here because it's the lifestyle. That's all gone. Wow. And so there's big questions, structural questions about how we recover from this. So the top of the three top mining still there, but the, the education piece is not there and either is the tourism. So tourism, yeah. there's big questions, but we do have very strong um, socialized medicine. So, you know, it's, it's Medicare for all sort of thing. It's, it's kind of Obamacare on steroids. So that's really helpful. Um, we don't have a system where employment and healthcare are tied together. So if you lose your job, you've still got free healthcare. Yeah, so yeah, that's right. huge. And it's really been weird. You know, we lived in America for 10 years and living in a different system and coming home and then reflecting on it during a pandemic, you're like, Jesus, like that's <laughs> like, you yeah. lose your job, you lose your healthcare, like, and there's no net, like, yeah. Um, so Australia is doing okay. We have had 500 deaths. We had a hundred deaths for the longest time and had just knocked this thing off. And then one mistake in the, the state south of us. So inbound tourism, inbound returners, travellers, they'd come in, they'd go to a hotel under security from the federal police. Like they'd literally be taken off the plane with oh the God. federal police into a hotel, 14 days quarantine, done. In one state, they used a private contractor. And this is a bizarre thing, Tim, to say on a, a podcast conversation but right. the security guards in this couple of hotels in victoria decided to sleep with the people <laughs> who were in quarantine and that launched 
a, I mean, that city, Melbourne, south of us, is in total shutdown. Oh, so it's the weirdest thing. And there's a whole political thing where the premier of the state is a Labor guy. So he's a Democrat. And in our system, Democrats here are union, right. which is great. I mean, they're pro workers and what have you. But he gave jobs for the boys. He gave, he gave the contract to a mate of his um, security company. And they just, they were sleeping with the people in the hotel. And then that's oh, how you take a, a virus and you spread it through the community. So... There's a huge inquiry going on. So don't ever think that America's the only one with crazy politics. Right. It happens everywhere. I'm sure it has happened. Politicians everywhere. are bastards. <laughs> cool. Uh, Jason, always good to catch up with you. We need to do it more often. And uh, I love to see your, your posts on Facebook of your kids uh, surfing and stuff. Um, oh, yeah. You know, that's, that's a lot of fun. Are you a surfer still? Or? I do a bit of body surfing. But yeah, my youngest son's very good. And uh, we love being around the water. But yeah, no, it's great yeah. catching up with you today. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate your time. Right. Thanks so much. And thanks again to Jason uh, Graham Nye of G Diapers for joining me on this week's Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. I, I really appreciate it. I had a fun uh, conversation, Jason. Well, this week's one good thing. Uh, I have to say I'm a little wary of how they'll pull it up, but I'm glad to see the NFL back in action. I'm a big Seahawks fan. Seattle Seahawks uh, have been for years, and it'll be good to see Russell Wilson and the, uh, the team back on the field and you know i know the nba when they came back in july and august and now they're in the playoffs they did it in the bubble in in orlando i i don't believe that that's what the nfl is doing so i'm not sure i haven't really followed it closely to know exactly how they're doing it i just was watching a little bit here a minute ago i'm recording this a day before and they are uh, playing a game but there's no audience there so uh, the audience is at home like here be curious to see how they do um and i wish them well um so, yeah, I'm glad to see the NFL back this week. This week's one good thing. Have yourself a great week, and uh, let's do it all again next Monday here. On the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee, I'm Tim Patterson. Thanks for joining me. <laughs>